What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the final day of preseason games of the 2018 season. We are headed. Next stop will be Friday, which means we'll recap the games. Mina Kimes from ESPN will join us. We will also uh, start next week with regular season planning. We'll have a big show, I think, with Jamie Eisenberg on either Monday or Tuesday of next week where we will break down fantasy football drafts. And uh, there's also a fantasy football telethon, marathon telethon, 3 p.m. to 10 p.m. on Monday, Labor Day. You can call in and talk to me. I'll be wearing a tuxedo, apparently, in the offices of Fort Lauderdale uh, for seven hours. Very excited about that. Couldn't be possibly more excited. You can stream it on CBS Sports HQ on CBSSports.com backslash live. It's also not too late to get in the Pick 6 Pod Pick'em League, pick6pod.football.cbsports.com. And if I may promo one more thing, you can sign up for Sportsline and get expert picks uh, computer simulations, fantasy analysis, DFS, tuned to your liking, and you could just trail the guy who's joining me on the phone right now, R.J. White, a sports science expert and CBSSports.com editor. What's up, R.J.? Not much. How you doing, Will? I am doing well. Thanks for your uh, this is your return appearance on the podcast. I think we did. We talked draft. We talked draft, right? Yeah, it had to be it. Yeah. Yeah, that was an exciting time. Many, 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 many off-season podcasts ago. Uh, we are still daily. People can subscribe, rate, and review, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Apparently that bumps us up the rankings. I do it every morning, right, as I'm getting my cup of coffee. And then again at lunch, I'm nothing but a faithful uh, servant to myself. RJ and I are going to talk some future bets. There's a uh, Thursday is a sports line takeover of, uh, of CBSSports.com. We'll see how that looks. I, I guess it will involve a lot of you, RJ. Are you excited about that? Yeah, I don't know how much of me it'll it'll uh, involve, but I've done a little bit of for it so far, so we'll see how it goes. Well, it's certainly going to involve you on this uh, on these future bets podcast. But before we do that, we're going to talk some news because a bunch of stuff happened as we uh, were prepping for this podcast. First and foremost, of course, the Aaron Rodgers contract. It feels a little ridiculous. Like, okay, so Aaron Rodgers got the largest contract in NFL history. If you believe the reports from all the insiders out there, it's worth a um, between about 180 million dollars total, right about there, maybe 176. The um, as Adam Schefter noted, the big feature is the cash flow. Aaron Rodgers gets 67 million before the end of the calendar year, and then over. I guess I assume that would be the league calendar year, and then over 80 million before St. Patrick's Day of next year, with 103 million practically guaranteed. Uh, this now takes Rodgers, who had two years left on a five-year, 110 million dollar deal. Um, it, I think that gives him. Uh, he gets 19.8 million, and then 20 million over the next few years. He basically has surpassed Matt Ryan's deal. I don't want to say that there's nothing to say about this, but it's pretty easy, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is getting $33.5 million per year because he's the best quarterback in football. Of course. If you're going to give that kind of money to one quarterback, you want to give it to him because we saw what happened when they didn't have him last year. You know, they go from a playoff contender, maybe a potential division contender, and some people might like him for the Super Bowl, down to being a replacement-level team, having trouble keeping up with any type of offense with Brett Hundley under center. So obviously that you see the kind of impact he had on the field last year, and you got to get him paid. I think it is interesting, though, that Rodgers locked himself in for six years because – and I mean, look, $33.5 million is plenty per year. He's getting $100 million, but there's a pretty good – case to be made that just because of how the economics of this work that we could see uh, Russell Wilson pass it 
that we could see Carson Wentz pass it next offseason? I mean, do you think that those guys will can viably get more than what Aaron Rodgers got? And do you think that in three years Aaron Rodgers will be upset that he signed this deal because he's now the fourth highest paid quarterback? Well, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be upset. You know, he, he's set for life. <laughs> he's going to be set for life either way. So it doesn't really matter as far as, you know, he's not, not going to have to, uh, cut the budget any because he signed this deal instead of a better one in a year or two. Um, as far as where it sets him up, you know, in the scheme of things, I, I don't know how much that means to him. Maybe there's an out in the, in the contract that lets him negotiate it, you know, earlier than otherwise. Who knows at this point? But, but I think if he wasn't going to be satisfied with this deal, he wouldn't have signed it. Mm, so that's it. Yeah, that, no, that's fair. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I guess the, the surprising thing is that Rogers through all the, like the hubbub about maybe he would go fully guaranteed like Kirk Cousins did. Um, you know, maybe he would, uh, you know, ha- get a piece, get a percentage of the salary cap. Um, maybe he would have a, a one year opt out option like LeBron James gets. I, at the end of the day, it might just not have been viable to do any of those things because of, um, you know, he wants to help the team with the salary cap structure and because the new CBA is up in, in just a couple of years. I mean, it just feels like this is, I mean, look, this is a huge contract, but it is kind of a pretty basic contract. Like it's not, it's just, here's a crap ton of money for the best quarterback in football, right? I mean, it's, it, there's no, unless we might learn more about it, but it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of intricacies involved with this deal. Well, I don't think you get any points for creativity, do you? <laughs> no, you don't. You just, you don't get any extra money either. So just pay the man, give him his money, and move on to the next problem. But maybe that's what the maybe that's what the Packers decided to do. Now the Packers can uh, can go out and trade for Khalil Mack. Um, maybe the Jets could trade for Khalil Mack. The Jets are busy trading on this. Uh, well, on Wednesday afternoon they were busy trading. They dealt Teddy Bridgewater, their I guess third string quarterback, uh, whatever you want to call him. They dealt Teddy Bridgewater to the New Orleans Saints, where he will become Drew Brees' backup, and he will end the glorious, glorious run of Taysom Hill as the uh, would-be franchise savior once Brees retires. Do you like the move by the Saints, and do you like the move by uh, for Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah, I think it's a smart move. He's obviously making you know backup salary at this point. They signed him to, what, a $5 million deal uh, the Jets did? So yeah. I think it makes sense that... that that offense is predicated on having, you know, a competent player at quarterback. If, if you're throwing a replacement guy in like Tom Savage or Taysom Hill, you know, the Saints chances are, are sunk at that point. So now if something happens to Breeze, he gets hurt. Teddy can come in. He's not going to be Drew Breeze by any means, but he, the offense isn't going to tank under him. You know, you, you can definitely see him leading that offense into the playoffs if he has to. And it's apparently a third round pick. Um, for the, uh, for the, that the Saints gave up to get Drew Brees, I mean, to get Drew Brees, to get Drew Brees' backup, Teddy Bridgewater. I like the move. Like you pointed out, I mean, look, Drew Brees has been healthy. He's been on the field. But when I was doing that ranking of 32 teams that should trade for Teddy Bridgewater, the Saints were pretty high along with the Chargers. I mean, I had the Packers up there too. Just teams that have, you know, have a great quarterback, have a legitimate Super Bowl chance. And still need to get a backup in there. I thought the Rams could have been involved in those talks as well. Even the Jaguars, like, they didn't need to bring in Teddy Bridgewater to, to replace Blake Bortles. I mean, I think they did, but you could have made the case that, you know, they could bring in Teddy Bridgewater in case Blake Bortles stinks or gets hurt. I mean, if something happens to Drew Brees, the, the Saints now have a ripcord in a season where they've already gone all in. And let's not forget they traded their future first round pick for Marcus Davenport, which means they can now, with this trade, ensure that they have a higher floor in terms of maybe losing that pick. It would be a pretty big surprise, I think, if the Saints weren't a playoff team, uh, now that they have this backup plan for Drew Brees, yes? 
Yeah, it would have been a surprise if they weren't a playoff team anyways. And now if the worst happens to Breeze, I think they're still a playoff team with Teddy. Uh, and it turns out, if, if you do the math, it turns out it's better to have two good quarterbacks than one good quarterback if you think they're a Super Bowl <laughs> contender. So I don't know what – even if you like Blake Bortles, even if you like Jared Goff, I don't know why you don't bring a guy like this in to be the backup. Obviously, the Saints see the value in it. So yeah. And they're a pretty, pretty well-run organization, so so I would take my cues from them. Yeah, and I mean the other thing too, if you're the Jets, you pretty – I mean not the greatest haul in the world. You would have liked to maybe get a first or a second for him and wait out somebody getting hurt. But, you know, we're a week away from the season starting. They want to announce that Sam Darnold is their guy. They don't want to have Teddy Bridgewater breathing – down Sam Darnold's neck um, if, if something happens to Sam Darnold he doesn't play extremely well out of the gate and so now they can say look we got a third round pick for him it's better than the best possible compens- compensatory pick that we would have gotten if Teddy Bridgewater leaves signs a huge deal and blows up in the free agent market and we don't sign anybody at all so in that sense it's a very nice haul even if the Saints win the, the Super Bowl it's still a better pick than they would have gotten in the compensatory round and it's a year earlier so I, I don't hate it um, the Saints draft draft is going to be a little depleted next year but for a team that that is as all in as they are i'm fine with that as well so uh, pretty smart deal across the board you'd like to get a little bit more for the jets but you know what they'll uh they will they will deal with it michael kendricks oh boy this is something crazy did you watch hard knocks on tuesday you don't watch hard knocks do you no i don't okay so do you do you know what happened on tuesday night with hard knocks uh yeah i saw the news okay well, no, 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 but not with like the Michael Kendrick. No, no, with him on Hard Knocks. No, I don't. Yeah, know. so on Hard Knocks, he's featured on Tuesday night. He's featured giving. Um, he's standing up in front of the defense with with Greg Williams doing like visual slideshows, and he's breaking down ahead of the pre- the Browns preseason game against the Eagles all the tendencies of the Eagles. In other words, he was giving the Browns some insider trading tips as it relates to uh, to what the Eagles like to do. And then on Wednesday morning, he is actually popped for insider trading, having apparently made a bunch of money um, getting stock tips from his boy who worked for Goldman Sachs, and he is admitted to federal charges of insider trading. This is very serious news. The SEC does not bleep around. He released a statement saying, I apologize. Four years ago, I participated in insider trading, and I deeply regret it. I invested money with a former friend of mine who I thought I could trust and who I greatly admired. His background as a Harvard graduate and an employee of Goldman Sachs gave me a false sense of confidence. To that point, I had worked my tail off, yada, 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 yada. Uh, while I did not fully understand all the details of the illegal trades, I knew it was wrong, and I wholeheartedly regret my actions. He says he's uh, been cooperating with everything. The Browns, of course, um, um, said that you know they're aware of the situation. Jay Glazer pointed, points out that this is, quote, uncharted waters for the NFL, uh, and it could certainly fall under the league's personal conduct policy. I mean, this is kind of nuts, right? Like, I've, I've been doing this for a decade in terms of covering the NFL, and I've seen a bunch of weird stuff, and, and I've never seen a, a middle-tier, middle linebacker get popped for insider trading. Yeah, and obviously we don't have a precedent to know what's going to happen here, but but we've seen people that that are convicted of insider trading and plead guilty in insider trading have to go to jail in a lot of a lot of situations. Sure. So I don't think we can rule that out at this point. I, I, if you're talking about from a football perspective, what's he going to to give to the Browns this year? I don't think you can really count on him at all because now that this has come out, we don't know what the ramifications are going to be on the uh, on a federal level, on a criminal level. So. Uh, they might ha- be on, on the lookout to, to find a linebacker to replace them. I think right now we're all just kind of wondering what's going to happen. And I think you can kind of imagine the worst of the worst here as far as um, his availability for the Browns. Yeah, and then uh, our 
our pal, or I guess Cody Benjamin wrote this. Our pal Cody Benjamin wrote, TV writer and former Goldman Sachs analyst Demilier Sonoki was, quote, brazenly passing along insider information, end quote, including heads ups on stock mergers and acquisitions to Kendrick's from 2013 to 2015, uh, per uh, somebody named uh, Roebuck on, on Twitter. Jeremy Roebuck, uh, business, Philadelphia Inquirer's Jeremy Roebuck. Um, and Kendricks allegedly provided $10,000 in cash and Eagles tickets, uh, in exchange for that information. Wolf, this is, this story is, is not go, not, not done and not going away. And then the other big news that came out on, um, on uh, Wednesday, we're going to rec- we're recorded all this and we're just guessing that nothing will top the Aaron Rodgers news. Not even this Tyler Lockett extension. The Seahawks gave wide receiver Tyler Lockett, who has neither gone over 61 catches nor uh, 675 yards in once in his career, three-year career, a three-year, $38 million extension. This feels like an NBA contract, RJ. Yeah, and, and it kind of makes sense to me because you know they're going to be relying on him more now that Jimmy Graham's gone, now that Paul Richardson's gone. It really kind of hints as to what they see him doing in their offense. They, they think he's going to play a big role by giving him this contract. So he hasn't done much to this point. He had six touchdowns as a rookie and then I think three in the next two years combined, something like that. It doesn't put up a lot of yardage, but maybe he's going to break out in his fourth year because they're obviously expecting something from him. Yeah. Um, Doug Baldwin banged up too, knee injury. So certainly, uh, it is, uh, it's a situation where you're going to need some help from somebody in, in Seattle and they, pl- they clearly, uh, think that that guy is going to be Tyler Lockett. I want to see Pete Briscoe tweeting about this Teddy Bridgewater trade and praising Sean Payton after he said the Jaguars should never do it. Um, you know, but I, I'm guessing he's, I'm guessing he's not going to. I'm guessing he's not going to do that, unfortunately. So let's get to uh, what we came here to talk about, which are our season-long bets. You and I have both been to Las Vegas in the past uh, three weeks. Is that right? You were two last week. Last weekend were you in Vegas? I was there a couple days ago. Yeah, a couple days ago. Today is right. People are listening on Thursday. You came back on Sunday, I guess, or Monday. Came maybe? back on Monday. Yeah, Monday. Um, where'd you stay out in Vegas? I stayed at Planet Hollywood this time around. Um, you, pretty which, central location for me. I could hit a few. I, you know, I like to shop the books and see where I can get the better lines at. And there's a CG technology book at Cosmopolitan right across the street. So um, you get the Caesars right there um, in Planet Hollywood, and then you get CG technology across the street. Take take an Uber over to uh, to Westgate to sign up and get their odds, and that pretty much covers it as far as what I'm looking at. What would you give uh, Planet Hollywood on a uh, one to ten uh, star, one to five star rating in terms of convenience and quality and 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 what and anything else you want to rate it on? I mean, I, I give it a four. That pretty pretty small sports book. You know, it's not not a place where I'd hang out and watch too many games. Um, but uh, you know, Westgate covers that. They have a great book there. They just reopened it. You know, a couple of years ago, and all the screens up, and it's a perfect place to watch games. So, as, if you're looking for a place to watch the game, I would go there. And but as far as where am I going to stay and spend a little bit of money, have places to eat surrounding me, I think Planet Hollywood's pretty pretty good. All right, dig it. Um, Planet Hollywood always a um Wow, this is a first one for me, RJ. I just got a uh, a press release from somebody named uh, named Brinson. How exciting is that? Another Brinson out there uh, sending me press releases. I couldn't be more excited. It's about a it's about some kind of embargo on a can- cannabis board. So that's very exciting. Um, more importantly, your picks are in. Um, we're gonna do so. The thing we did: you, me, Larry Hartstein. Jared Dubin and John Breach all made, all took a thousand dollars. And we did this earlier this all season with Frank Schwab, but we're sort of bringing it back. We took a thousand dollars, uh, with a fake budget 
Maybe it's real. Maybe it's not. Who knows? Um, and then div- invested it in futures as many as we wanted. Like I think Dubin did 27 different bets, which is a pretty <laughs> widespread, uh, 25 bucks on a bunch of these different bets. Um, you did a, you did less. I did less. Uh, Larry did less and, and Breach did less. So good for, good for us. Um, let's run through those and th- we had to do at least one Super Bowl bet, at least two, uh, win total bets. And then you could do the rest on props. Now the, the, the deal with the Super Bowl bet is you don't have to – it doesn't have to be the team you think is going to win the Super Bowl. Like if you think um, the Ram, if you think the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl but don't like their odds, that's fine. Like you don't have to do that. Uh, it's just what who you think provides the best possible value for those Super Bowl picks. So who did you go with um, for your Super Bowl bet? Well, I definitely fall under that latter category because I was just looking at the value and I took the Seahawks. Mm. Seahawks. Seahawks are 60 to 1 on the board, which is twice as long as odds as the 49ers who haven't proven anything, you know. Um, the Seahawks have a better side of the playoffs than I think people expect. Uh, Russell Wilson as a top three quarterback is always going to give you a chance. Um, the O-line I think might be improved this year. Bringing Dwayne Brown into play left tackle last year at the trade deadline helped. Um, getting a year of an, of experience for their, the guy that was a rookie there, Pochick, that uh, plays left guard yep. is going to help. You know, Justin Britt's obviously saw it at center. Right tackle's still an issue. You know, we'll see if a Fetty can handle it or if they find a, somebody to plug into that hole. I think up and down the line, flute, they brought in Fluker. It could be solid. It's not going to be great. It's not like the Steelers line or anything, but, but I don't think it, it's going to be the worst in the league by any means. On defense, people have an issue with their defense as well, but still got Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, Earl Thomas. Frank Clark is a good pass rusher. Deion Jordan flashed last, last year. The second, the cornerbacks aren't, aren't that bad. Shaq Griffin played well. Um, they brought in uh, Maxwell. He had a solid year for, for the Dolphins. Um, so I think there are players there. I don't think they're going to be terrible on defense. I don't think they're going to be terrible on the offensive line. And if they're any better than just average, then you have Russell Wilson at quarterback, even if he doesn't have a lot of, a lot of playmakers around him in the passing game. You know, we've seen what he could do. So I think they have a pretty solid shot at making the playoffs. That was another one of my props to take them to make the playoffs at plus 260. Um, I think they could do that. I think they have a better shot than teams like the, the Niners and the Panthers that have, have shorter odds. And once they get to the playoffs, then you got Russell Wilson. So you never know what's going to happen when you have the best quarterback on the field. So I, I like six, 60 to one is, is pretty good, pretty good value for me. I don't, I don't see another team on the board with that good of a value in terms of, yes, we know they have a franchise quarterback. Yes, we know they have experience in the playoffs. Yes, we know they have a plus coaching staff. Yes, we know they upgraded the offensive line. Um, and then I, I mean, like I'm with you. I think the defense, even with the, the lack of names is better than they think. Did you bet on this at the Westgate? I did. I got him at sixty to one at the Westgate. Okay, because I saw that Jeff Sherman, who is one of the sportsbook guys, I actually read a quote somewhere. I think it was on the Action Network. I was reading of the the uh, Chris Raybon did the his he think he likes the Seahawks over, um, and he got a they, they got a quote on the Action Network about uh, and they were like, yeah, we've actually written some tickets on the Seahawks at sixty to one, and, then, and I was like, oh my god, I bet one of those is RJ because I bet he went by the Westgate, and you did indeed do that. I, I mean, look, I'll be honest, like if I'm if I was doing one, I, I when I was out of the Westgate, I got the Ravens at fifty to one, and I really like that. And we, you and I have talked about that. Um, that's no longer available. They're twenty five to one. I'm surprised that they've been slashed like that, and a team like the Seahawks hasn't. I don't see. Another team, I mean, the Panthers at 30 to 1, eh. Um, the Chargers at 16 to 1, I don't hate. The Chiefs at 20 to 1, I don't hate, but their defense is questionable. The Raiders at 20 to 1 is the worst 
Super Bowl bet I've I've ever seen. Um, the Titans at twenty five to one is a little interesting, but I'm going to stick with uh, I'm going to stick with my prediction and ride with my gut. My Super Bowl pick um, in this uh, imaginary situation is going to be the Atlanta Falcons at sixteen to one to win at their home field. There's no I don't think there's a ton of value necessarily baked into that that's what they opened at uh, way back on on January 7th 2018 but I think that that actually speaks to one of the pluses of the Falcons is that they've been very consistent not just over this offseason or over the past year but over the past several years and I think that when you look at what a down season they had last year. It was a great down season. I'd love to, I'd love to be battling through that kind of hangover, um, every time I go out drinking because the Falcons ended up being kind of close to making the Super Bowl again. And it wouldn't be surprising to me if they were, uh, the defense comes together this year. I've talked about this at, at, at nauseum. You've read my story in the, I've talked about it on the podcast. So I don't want to dive too deep into it, but I'm going to take the Falcons at 16 to one. Looking at, uh, uh, Dubin, he's going to go with the Saints at uh Saints at 14 to 1, Larry Hartstein is taking the Vikings at 10 to 1 and John Breach actually like this too. The Packers at uh, at 12 to 1 is a pretty good value, right? Yeah, it's pretty good value. I think out of those, if I was taking the team I think is going to win at good value instead of just this long shot, I would take the Saints at 14 to 1. Mm. Uh, even before the you know Bridgewater filled that backup quarterback issue, uh, they have great defense. It's on the rise. They have obviously Drew Brees and all the playmakers on offense. Um, I, I think that they probably are going to the Super Bowl if, unless you know you never know what's going to happen with injury luck. So at 14 to 1, I liked him better at 16 and 18 to 1, which he could get earlier on in the the off season. Um but even at 14 to 1, I think that's better value to me than the Falcons at 16 to 1 or um or the Packers. Well, that that's just that's your opinion, man. Um it is it is your opinion. What uh what win totals are you And look, I like the Saints a lot too. Uh speaking of the Saints, I bet that Blindly, I'm trying to find. I've got I've got all these things. Too many. Did you end up taking the Saints on this list? I know that you previously had thought about taking the Saints. It does not look to be the case. Oh, I know. Open up with your uh, your top win total pick because I think this one will surprise some people. Yeah. So I took when I'm playing win totals, I'm looking at the unders, and that's because when you add up all the numbers on the board for for the win, you know, the wins for each team, they always equal more than 256, which is the maximum number of wins you can have in an NFL season. If there are no ties. You're going to have 256 wins. Right. So when you go to bet and there's 261 wins on the board, then that means that you're, you're overinflating them for, you know, five wins at that point and it could go up or down. It's very independent because when a, people are hitting the overs on a team, it's not like they're adjusting the odds for other teams to, to compensate. You know, they're just adjusting those odds. So I tend to look unders and then if I, if there's a team that I like, then I'll look at them to win the division, make the playoffs, that kind of thing. Um, so the team I took, uh, under that has the under highest um win total is the Jaguars under yeah. 9 at plus 110. And the reason I did this is because they won 10 games last year and they kind of caught all the breaks to me. They played in a division where they had no Andrew Luck. They didn't have to play Deshaun Watson either game. So it was a pretty easy division to win. They had, you know, the Titans didn't really have that great coaching in place. I think they kind of did well despite of the coaching and obviously they kind of felt that way too if they they switched coaches even after a playoff season. So they had a lot, they played a last place schedule last year. They're going to have a more difficult schedule this year. They got great help from the entire defense, which was playing at, you know, historically good level. They, they were way ahead of the second place team in defensive DVOA. 
Um, I don't know what's going to happen to that defense, A, when they're playing better quarterbacks, and B, if they start to have injuries to, like, you know, a Jalen Ramsey or a Bouye or, you know, any of their, their main star players because they don't have that much depth behind those guys, I don't think. Um, I actually looked at the quarterbacks that made at least one pass attempt against the Jaguars last year, and they there was about 500 pass attempts they, they gave up on the season. About 200 of them came from Jacoby Brissett, <laughs> Tom, Tom Savage, TJ Yates, Blaine Gabbert, Deshaun Kaiser, and Ryan Mallett. So you're talking about 40% of the passes coming from that collection of quote-unquote quarterbacks. So what happens when they're playing Andrew Luck and Deshaun Watson and better quarterbacks, you know, up and down the roster? You know, injuries will hit other quarterbacks. Maybe they won't have to play, you know, one or two of those games. They'll be playing backup quarterbacks. So maybe it's not going to be all strong quarterbacks up and down the board. But, but once you take that into account, even if the defense is great again, then the offense is going to have to cover for them by being better than they were. And I just don't know that they have that upside. I don't know where it's coming from because Blake Bortles, I think we can agree, isn't a franchise quarterback. Um, Leonard Fournette will help you in the running game, but you have to have that defense keeping the game close. So once you put the pressure on Bortles and he has to start catching up, he's throwing passes to Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook and and this kind of collection of receivers that we don't know what we're going to get from him. I don't think we, we believe that there's any stars in there. You know, There's probably a bunch of solid players in there, but – if they have to rely on that passing game, I just don't know how it's going to happen for them. Yeah, that's a that's a great point about those quarterbacks. Um, and the other thing to note too, you're putting uh, 150 on this in in terms of the the hypothetical budget. It's plus 110, which is a really nice bonus too. And you got some push wiggle room there as well. I mean, I just think that this division with Andrew Luck coming back, Deshaun Watson coming back, and I to me the Titans have upgraded substantially, and I actually like the Titans. Uh, over, I think, as long as it's still eight, I'm about to put that one in as one of mine. Yeah, it's eight minus 120. Uh, I will take that for the same reason, you know, for partially the same reasons as, as you're taking the Jaguar or taking the Jaguars under. I think Jacksonville could be worse than people think. I think Tennessee has the run game to be uh, balanced and dominant. I'm not buying into the, the preseason concerns about Marcus Mariota. I think he's going to be much better than people expect. Um, I think he'll operate in this offense efficiently, and I think that the the pieces around him are substantial enough that the Titans can get to eight wins, maybe nine wins, maybe ten wins, take the division, and uh, and ultimately end up stealing something in the AFC South. Who else you got uh, in the uh, in terms of win totals? I took the Raiders under eight wins. Uh, their one star defender looks like he's going to hold out for the right some regular season games. We don't know when we're going to see Khalil Mack at this point. Rest of the unit up and down is lacking in talent. You know, their second best defender might be Bruce Irvin. After that, you know, good luck picking somebody. They they have a lot of replacement level talent at linebacker. I don't not confident in any of their secondary players. I think their first round pick from two years ago, Carl Joseph, might not even start. I I don't think Gruden is is uh, happy with his performance. Um, so. I don't know how that defense is going to operate. Then you're leaning on the offense to score you a bunch of points. Well, who's their playmakers? You know, you have Amari Cooper. You can rely on him. Jordy Nelson. I don't know <laughs> how much you're going to count on him, uh, in, uh, not having Aaron Rodgers throwing in the ball. Derek Carr. He's not a, I don't know that he's a top five, top ten quarterback. You know, he's, he's no perfectly, way. No, not at this per, point. Yeah. perfectly fine, but he's not going to carry your offense. You know, you can't rely on him to, to be an Aaron Rodgers type that's going to elevate the game of everyone around him. So then you look to the running game and then it's, you know, the older Marshawn Lynch and, and if teams can stack the box, how well is the running game going to do? And I don't know where those wins are going to come from. So I would be surprised if the Raiders had a winning record this year. So getting under eight at minus 125, I think, is a pretty good bet um, to to figure that eight is their their maximum ceiling if everything breaks right for them. Yeah, I actually have the Raiders on my list as well. And when I was out in Vegas, I took the Raiders under 
at where did I take it? Um, it was eight, and it was uh, minus one ten. So the the value at the Westgate. So the value has climbed. Um, it has gotten more expensive to take the under on the Raiders. Joining us on that Raiders under is uh, Jared Dubin, who uh, who put twenty five to win eighteen seventy five on the Raiders under, making my uh, charting life very difficult. You put. I believe uh, 125 on them to win 100, and I will probably uh, – yeah, I did the same thing, 125 to win 100. I have to look and see what if Larry had that. I don't think he did. Um, another team that I like in the AFC West is the, for an over is the, the Chiefs, and I know that you'd like them to win the AFC West. We both, we're both on that as well. Um, does the defense from the Chiefs – the defensive performance in the preseason scare you about your Chiefs division bet or a potential Chiefs over bet? No, because, you know, you're, you're a lot of, for the, for the most part, you're playing depth players. You're evaluating performances. You're doing different things in the preseason other than trying to win games. So I, I don't know that I'm essentially scared by anything I see in the preseason, really. Um, but, you know, no matter how they perform in the preseason, year in, year out, Andy Reid's Chiefs always do well. Uh, they, he's been nine wins or, or more each of his five years there. He's at a plus 70 point differential, you know, each of his five years there or better. And that is, you know, you're talking about point differential. That doesn't come just with having a great offense. You obviously have to have the defense to not give up a ton of points either. So I think the Chiefs are better than people think. Having come, coming off of division win, I don't see why their odds are. I took them at plus 275. I don't see why they're that high. I actually got them. I was talking about shopping lines around. I went to the Cosmo, to the CG Tech book. I got them at plus 320 there. I got wow. five. So a little bit better value there than, than we did for this experiment. Um you, you talk about maybe the offense is going to take a step back because they lost Alex Smith. I wouldn't st- typify it as that they lost Alex Smith. They actually decided to part ways with him. They made a <laughs> deliberate choice to turn to the guy that they drafted. They spent two first-rounders to get this guy. So they obviously like him a lot. They think that he's going to be great in Andy Reid's defense. He has a massive ceiling. He has a lot of weapons. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins now, Kareem Hunt running the ball. Um, they could challenge for one of the best-scoring teams in the league, I think. So then you're looking at the defense to just be average and – I think the talent is there to do that. We have guys like Chris Jones are underrated. Uh, Eric Berry's coming back from injury. You know, they still got players at linebacker. Justin Houston is there to rush the passer. So I, I'm not sure why people are a little bit down on this team as, as opposed to like the Raiders and the Chargers in the division. Yeah, I, and I too, I mean, I think like when you factor in the char- to me, the Chargers have the most talented all around roster relative to the Chiefs. Um, but when you factor in what. Andy Reid brings to the table versus Anthony Lynn. I mean, that's a pretty vast difference in terms of coaching abilities. I mean, even just based on experience, not to mention Anthony Lynn's struggles last year. Uh, the injuries the Chargers have dealt with already. I get that Mike Williams might be a nice replacement for Hunter Henry. Um, but, you know, like this Chargers team likes to shoot themselves in the foot or, 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 or poop their pants at least once or twice a year. And if they do that and they give Andy Reid the edge there, I think the, the Chiefs can sneak in. I'm actually on the Chiefs over eight and a half wins and the Chiefs to win the division. Certainly the, um, the, the, the division value, you would think if they get to nine wins, I mean, you and I talk about this all the time and it's worth repeating to people who listen to the podcast, but like if you really like the Chiefs this year, you should look at, the, say like, I mean, the Chiefs, if the Chiefs go over eight and a half wins, that means they're at least at nine. If they get to nine wins, there's a pretty good chance that they're going to win the division, right? Or at least if they get to ten. I mean, isn't that sort of the thought process you're working through? Yeah, it depends on what you think of the Chargers. You know, Chargers had two two massive injuries before the season started, basically right when camp opened. Um, so 
we think they're going to be healthier than they were last year, and that's why people are expecting improvement from them. I don't know how much healthier they're going to be if people keep getting hurt. Uh, we still don't know what we're getting from the Chargers' offensive line. We know the Chargers have good pass rushers. I think the rest of the defense might be a little more questionable than that. So I would put them comparable to the to the Chiefs as far as who you're looking at to win the division. And if you're getting plus 275 on one and minus on odds on the other, why not take the Chiefs? Yeah, exactly. Um, another uh, division winner that I like, and this is a very uh, very popular pick, and not just in terms of the division, but in terms of the team we mentioned to win the Super Bowl. Uh, Breach had them. I like the Green Bay Packers getting plus money to win the division. They were eight to five before um, when it opened on on in, back in April, and as of now, they are seven to four to uh, to win the division in the NFC North. And to me, this is just a bet on Aaron Rodgers staying healthy over the course of sixteen games. Now, um, could the Vikings win the division? Sure, but the Vikings are four to five. Four, so, like the Vikings, you have to pay you have to pay juice on the Vikings to win. Whereas if the Packers win, you're going to get more than what you put in on your original bet. And to me, that is inherently value there. If you're talking about the best quarterback in football playing a full season, agree or disagree? Yeah, of course. I mean, you, I think they're minus one one twenty five. So if you put a hundred bucks on them, you're looking to win what eighty? You know, something around eighty, yeah. maybe seventy something. If you put a hundred bucks on the Packers at plus one seventy five, you're going to win one hundred seventy five. Right. That's more than more than twice of what the other one is. So are the Vikings more than twice have have more than twice a shot of the, than the Packers of winning the division? I don't think so. I think Aaron Rodgers is the great equalizer when you're talking about games against anyone. Their defense can be beat up, you know. It, and the the team could be missing playmakers. Anything could really be the case. And as long as he's healthy, he gives you a shot to win every game. Um, I think it'll be a tough battle. I don't know who's going to win the division, but I'm on them at plus 175 as well, just because of that value. Um, the defense could be much better, you know, switching to Mike Pettin. And they got some talented corners in the draft. Josh Jackson looks like a player. I have him in my uh, player props. I took him 20 to 1 as the defensive rookie of the year. Ooh. I think he could have a Marcus Peters type season where he just racks up a bunch of interceptions, maybe a couple pick sixes. He's, a, he's a, a ball hawk. Yeah, all of a sudden then people are talking about, oh, this is definitely the guy that's, that's standing out in the lead. And then it'll be on someone else to take that, that crowd from him at that point. Yeah. And that's the thing too is like if you're betting, um, if you're betting on defensive pl- rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, don't, I mean, don't just think about who's the best defender going to be because Bradley Chubb could have a great season for the Broncos, stopping the run, stuffing guys at the line of scrimmage, making a, you know, uh, making a pretty good number of tackles, getting like seven or eight sacks. But if he doesn't have the, Shows up on the red zone, shows up on Sports Center, shows up on CBS Sports HQ type of plays where he's picking the ball off and running the intercept, running, running the house for an interception, pick six, pick six, yeah, love the pick six. Um, or, or if he's not, you know, piling up the sacks, it's going to be a little bit harder to win. That's why I was surprised to see him as the favorite there, even though he was the highest guy picked. Um, you, you've got one more over under on here that I want to talk about. You are burying the New York football giants. Right. There's a lot of optimism for the giants. I don't know. If it's warranted, you know, they did work on the O-line. They brought in some talent. Nate Solder at left tackle drafted a guy, a guard, Will Hernandez, that should be a good pro for, for a long time. But who knows if he's going to be a good, good as a rookie? Who knows if that line's going to gel right away? You know, you got a bunch of guys moving around too. They signed Omame. Uh, he was a left guard last year. He's going to play right guard. They're moving flowers from left tackle to right tackle. Lots of moving pieces. These guys haven't played together. They certainly haven't played together in those spots. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how they they show up early in the season in particular. Uh, then you look at the quarterback. Eli Manning, I think, is, is probably past his prime. I, you know, we've seen him. I don't know that, that we've seen anything that suggests that he's going to turn around 
the decline this year. Uh, sure, they lost receivers last year. Sure, he was he was playing shorthanded, uh, but those receivers that are coming back, it's Odell Beckham, and then you're still looking at you know kind of not much depth behind him. So I don't know that I, I like them. Saquon Barkley is obviously a popular fantasy pick, and and people lo- love the potential he has. You can bury but, Saquon Barkley on this podcast if you want to. You've <laughs> I don't did. want to bury him because I think he's a great player, but I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have on your win total. If your defense, which I don't actually think is that good in, in, with the Giants either, uh, you know, they got rid of Pierre Paul. I don't know that the pass rush is going to be there. Aside from Janoris Jenkins, I don't know who's covering anyone. Um, so if they're giving up points, then, okay, hand the ball to Saquon Barkley. What's that going to get you? He's going to get you four, five, six yards, and you're still 70 yards away from the end zone. So I think they're going to have to score points to keep up with the teams they're playing, and I don't know that Eli Manning is going to be capable of that. So I have them at under 7 plus 120. I think seven's probably their ceiling, um, and that, that would be a push for me. I don't think this is a 500 team. I think they have a lot to prove before you can think that they're going to get to 500 or better. I like these um, will-they-won't-they-make-the-playoff type of bets. Um, these things are re- relatively new in terms of being publicly available and, and something that, that a lot of sports books put out every year, I think, like in the last two years, right? I mean, this hasn't been something they've been doing for a decade, is it? Um, I couldn't tell you about a decade. I've, they haven't really, like, jumped on my radar. They've been – any time that I've been looking at it, they've been there. So I would probably say at least four or five years, at least okay. since I've been going to, well, to Vegas to sign up for the contest. Well, all right, at the very least, they've, they've, they've just now become popular, I think, and in, in sort of being in the in the in terms of the – what people look at. And to me, they, they provide a lot of really interesting viewpoints as to how Vegas looks at certain teams. Like, you know, the San Francisco 49ers are this trendy team in the AFC, in the NFC West, but they're plus 175 to make the playoffs, minus 210 to miss the playoffs. I mean, that's a, that's a team that Vegas expects will end up missing the playoffs. Um, the Oakland Raiders minus 190 to miss the playoffs, even with an eight win over under. To me, that skews a little bit in the favor of, um, or it says like Vegas doesn't think they'll make the playoffs, but Vegas thinks people are betting the over because maybe that team is moving to Las Vegas uh, soon and they're getting a lot of local action on them. Anybody pop out to you in terms of value, miss or make the playoffs? Yeah, I did like the miss the playoffs for the Panthers. I think that the NFC is really strong. Uh, they're, you know, if you take two from the NFC North with the Vikings and Packers, you take two, you, Saints and Falcons are good, then Panthers are obviously at that point shut out. Um, I think, like I said earlier, the Seahawks, I think, are better than people people imagine so i was a little bit down on the the panthers they seem like they're getting weaker defensively their offensive line is kind of in shambles so that was one one team i do like to make the playoffs is the ravens uh plus one at plus 120 you know to get plus odds in what's probably considered a weaker afc uh they were a blown fourth quarter play for making the playoffs last year and that was a year where they had no playmakers on offense they were throwing to jeremy macklin and mike wallace and now they have Michael Crabtree, John Brown, they drafted two tight ends. You know, one of them is a, an older, the first round pick, Hayden Hurst is an older tight end who should be able to play right away. Uh, Alex Collins is a good running back. They're getting their O-line back healthy too. They played most of last year without Marshall Yonda. Uh, they, you know, had to mix and match a lot on, on the offensive line. Now they, that's back in place. Joe Flacco is playing with a, like a, a lit match under him after drafting Lamar Jackson. I think that offense has a lot of upside. With all those problems they had last year, the team still was ninth in the league in points scored. So you would think of them as having a terrible offense. Is that, not is doing, that, is that right? I don't, I mean, I'm yeah. all over the Ravens and I didn't know that stat. That's yeah, incredible. Not, and, and that's partially that's return, Def- yeah. few return touchdowns, a few defensive. But if you look at points per drive, and that's just looking at the offense, they're still 13th. They're still top half of the league. And this is, 
an offense that everybody wrote out last year. They're still finishing in the top half of the league in points. It's because their defense puts them in a good position. Special teams put them in a good position. They have a great kicker who can who can add three points from almost anywhere on the field, essentially. And uh, then you turn your eyes over to the defense. That's still good this year. There's no reason to doubt, think that they're going to take a step back. Um, they've added talent through the draft the last couple of years. Jimmy Smith's going to miss the first four games. I was looking at the schedule. I don't know it's going to make that much of a difference. I still think they're going to win the games they were going to win anyway. Um, and then he comes back in week five for Cleveland. They'll win that game too. Uh, so I like them. You know, if you, and Jim Har, uh, John Harbuzzer obviously proved he's a, um, a great coach in this league. And uh, I don't see why they wouldn't make the playoffs in a down year for the AFC. I actually like uh, – I agree with you. I, I like the Ravens here. I've made that clear. And I think another one of the um, the bets that makes sense in terms of the AFC, the Bengals are plus 350 to make the playoffs. That's pretty good odds in the AFC where I think easily you could see – you know, just I mean, not I mean, just a lot of turnover. The Chiefs are plus one ten. I mean, the wild card in the AFC is just wide open. I don't, I mean, I don't hate the Dolphins at at plus four hundred, uh, just just because of the payout that you're getting in a conference where we don't know who's going to fill the void. And then, I mean, I'm going to take the Titans to make the playoffs at plus one fifty. Um, that'll be definitely one of my bets. I might even pass on that uh, eight, the over under eight, and just take the Titans at plus one fifty because you can get in it. Eight and eight. You can get in at nine and seven. Um, you you know you can you can still get there and and you get the value out of the pick. All right, uh, we're running late because that's how we do it on this podcast these days. Let's go through some play all, uh, some player props that you've got for uh, for guys that you're eyeing to for big payouts in terms of their individual performances. Yeah, oh, and, pass- sorry, I got to note these these individual ones are all from sportsbook.ag. Yeah, I was looking for value at MVP. I ended up sixty five to one taking Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I made my my argument with the Chiefs earlier. They they're he's not their second choice. He's their first choice. They they you know had it in their heads that they were going to transition to him this year, and they went through with it, even with the good year that Alex Smith had. So what if he is good? You know, Carson Wentz would have won the MVP in his second year uh, until he got hurt, and Mahomes has the talent around him to put up big numbers. I don't know if, he, if he's as good as Carson Wentz because not many people are, but you don't know that he's not either. Uh, if those stats that he's putting up come with double-digit wins and competing for a buy in the AFC, which I think the Chiefs could do, depending on how the Chargers are, then the odds are going to look great at that point once you get to week 14, 15, 16, and the Chiefs are right there you know, in the AFC, and he's having a good year. People are going to say, why not him? Yeah, I, I was looking at him to lead the league in passing, and clearly you can lead the league in passing and not be anywhere near the MVP discussion. Just ask Drew Brees, but I think that the sixty-five to one is a lot more value on the odds that he would be voted MVP. Um, the down the downside of the MVP thing is that you have to deal with the personal subjective opinions of people like Pete Prisco as opposed to just the hardline stat of who led the league in in terms of passing. Uh what else popped out there? Jordan Wilkins, offensive rookie of the year at a hundred to one. Hello. Yeah, I think the opportunity is there for him to be a feature back in Indy. Marlon Marlon Mack hasn't really established himself. Anybody could could show up. And he'll be running against light fronts as people, you know, start to game plan for Andrew Luck when he's back, uh, especially if he gets the passing offense moving. Uh, it's an offensive line that's gotten better. They added two guards in the draft. One was one of the top guard prospects that we've had in a long time, maybe the last decade in Quentin Nelson. I think the opportunity is going to be there. I think the talent is probably there for the, for the line to lead him to a good season. So 100 to 1, it's not going to happen, but at 100 to 1, I like it a lot. Might, lot, it, uh, might at happen. That value. Um, and then, uh, two guys, you and I talked about this previously because I was lamenting the fact that in my draft last week in Pinehurst, I took Larry Fitzgerald over Kenyon Drake. It's haunted me 
for days. It will probably haunt me for years. Everybody's now getting hyped up about Kenyon Drake. I had him in my tar in my sights in the fourth round and passed on him like a moron. I still think Larry Fitzgerald will be good, but you've got Larry Fitzgerald most receiving yards at his age, and then Kenyon Drake most rushing yards at sixty five to one. Yeah, again, I don't think these guys are going to necessarily be the guys leading it, but and I'm you're just putting ten dollars of your hypothetical budget here, right? And playing value here, seventy-five to one, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, most receiving yards. I think it's high because people perceive he's having one foot out of the league. He's going to retire at any moment. You know, he, the downturn could come at any time. Uh, he's only turning thirty-five this week. That's an age where plenty of talented receivers, probably some less so than Larry Fitzgerald, have topped a thousand yards. You're looking at like Chris Carter, Tim Brown, Jimmy Smith, Ter- Terrell Owens, Steve Smith, uh, on and on and on. Um, Irving Fryer, I think, at 1,300 y- yards in his age 35 year. Uh, Fitzgerald's three biggest years in terms of receptions, not yards, but just receptions, the last three years. Topped 100 each year. I think he's got like 109 in two of those years and 106 in the other. Um, if he gets improved play at quarterback, maybe he starts turning some yard, those receptions into longer yards when, if the offense is, is working better. And he has a sneaky good, ca- sneaky good chance of cashing at, at a 675 to one. So I like that one. Moving on to Drake, most rushing yards. He averaged around 90 rushing yards per game over the final five weeks after wow. they, they finally made him their bell cow back. The only back in the league that topped that last year was Zeke Elliott. He had like 95 or 96, something crazy like that. Uh, they're talking now about giving him 16 to 20 carries a game. If that's actually the case, he could have a pretty good shot, especially at 65 to 1, of leading the league. He could get up to 1,300 yards or so if he's getting that much work. So we'll see how that goes. I don't, I don't know if the defense keeps him in enough games. For him to be able to get that many carries each game, but if he is and he ends up the year with you know two eighty three hundred carries, he could lead the league in rushing for sure. I mean, you look at the guys he's with: Jarrett McKinnon, Isaiah Crowell. He's behind Sony Michelle, Marlon Mack, Royce Freeman, Marshawn Lynch, Lamar Miller. I mean, I'm fine taking Kenyon Drake in that spot. I like. Yeah, that. I, I got him in Vegas at eighty to one at one of the Caesars books. Wow! And he it was the same odds as Doug Martin, Naheem Hines. What? He was behind behind Nick Chubb. You know, it's. You, if you're talking about a fantasy draft, none of these guys are going anywhere near him. And uh, he obviously has the potential for a lot more. So I thought that was great value there. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. Alex Smith, most passing yards. Mahomes MVP, Alex Smith, most passing yards. What kind of, we're through the looking glass, RJ. <laughs> Yo, Mahomes, I think for this stat was around 30 to 1, 35 to 1. Rather have the value with Alex Smith. He threw over 4,000 yards last year. So did Kirk Cousins in Washington. So 4,000 yards isn't obviously out of the realm of possibility now. Um, so 65 to 1, I like the value there. I think he's going to throw a lot. The running game, I don't expect to do much for them. Uh, Chris Thompson's going to be the team's best back. We know that he's more, of, in the passing game, he's more of an extension of the running game. They throw him screens, they get him out in space, and they let him go. If he's turning 60 yard screen passes and, and, you know, underneath passes into touchdowns, then that's going on Alex Smith's t- total, passing total. He doesn't have to chuck the yard, the ball 60 yards to get those yard, to get those numbers. Um, there's no wide receiver one that you can trust there, you know, with Crowder and Doxson and all them. But those guys do have upside. So maybe if they're each getting 950, 1,000, you tack on the tight end yards, you tack on the running back yards, we can get them up to 44, 45, and give them a shot at it at 65 to 1. Why not? Yeah, and uh, Alex, uh, Kirk Cousins in his three years um, as the starter in Washington averaged exactly 50 more passing attempts per season than Alex Smith did in his five years uh, over a course of 16 games on average anyway, um, than, than he did, uh, with Kansas City. So you're talking about an offense where, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's 50 more passing attempts, uh, with a guy in, in Alex Smith who averaged seven yards per passing attempt. That's 350 yards that you could tack on. And all of a sudden, you know, if you, if you hit that 4,000 marker and you're at 43, 4,400, you're right in the mix in terms of leading the league in passing. So I like that as well. Uh, anything else? 
that stands out to you? I can't run through all of Dubin's. He did 27 of them. Uh, John Breach has the Bengals to make the playoffs. Falcons win the NFC South. Jimmy Graham at 15 to 1 to lead the league in touchdown catches. And, uh, Ben Roethlisberger 14 to 1 to, uh, to lead the league in passing yards. You like hate any of those? Yeah, Jimmy Graham is an interesting one. Uh, we'll see how much he clicks with Aaron Rodgers. We obviously know he's a great red, red zone weapon. Rodgers is going to get him near the red zone pretty, pretty often. So he, you know, you could definitely see a 15 touchdown, 17 touchdown season out of Jimmy Graham. So I think that's a pretty good bet. And uh, worth noting that Dubin actually has Panthers playoffs. Yes. Packers NFC North. Ravens playoffs. Yes. Falcons NFC to win the NFC South, which Breach had, of course. Uh, then Dirk Cutter, first coach fired. I like you taking the Jason Garrett angle when he, when he comes out of gate slow and, uh, and, and, uh, and Jerry Jones panics and fires him. All right, RJ White, where can the people find you on Twitter and where can they read you on the internet? Find me at RJ White One on Twitter. You can read me at CBSSports.com and on Sportsline. I'll have my super contest picks every Saturday, so you get my five best picks each week on on Sportsline. So check that out. All right, thanks, RJ. Always a pleasure, buddy. Take care.